Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Speaking of Fantasy Football with your hosts Derek, Zach, and myself, Ian. Usually we'll have Mike on with us, you know, doing the intro and everything, but he is on a cruise this week, so we're pretty jealous of that, but we hope he's having a great time. Uh, we hope you guys follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit at SOFF Podcast. And we also have our own sleeper channel, so we hope you join us over there. On tonight's episode, we will discuss our main segment topic, which is boom and bust players versus kings of consistency with a special guest, Mark, friend of Derek's. Uh, we also have our, our usual segments of 4 for 4, which we drafted our teams early this week since Mike was going out of town. We also have pains and gains, how we did in our leagues this week, and the SFL league update with Devil as usual. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy it. All right, everybody, we're going to move into our main segment, segment one this evening. It's going to be uh, boom versus bust versus kings of consistency is what we're calling it. Um, so I've got a good buddy of mine who got me into fantasy football, uh, Mark. And if you want to reach out to him, his uh, handle on sleeper is Mark Hugh with an H-E-U there at the end. Um, so if you've got questions about what he did with his, uh, his fancy complicated math and his spreadsheets that he's getting ready to tell you guys about, um, hit him up, let him know. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to go through uh, four positions, QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And we uh, supplied Mark with uh, – we went with the top ten from each position at pre-draft ADP ranking, or I should say actually pre-week one ADP ranking um, before the season started. So, Mark, take it away. All right. So uh, what I did was I really looked at the – total number of games that each player played and then I looked at how many games they scored over 25 points to put them in the boom category for that game how many games they scored between 20 to 15 and then how many games they scored 15 or less that a 15 or less is a bust and the 25 to 15 is consistent and I thought this would be interesting data to collect because all anyone ever looks at is the overall points that basically that person scored last year i'd be curious to see how many games i could in theory lose with some of these players if they bust a lot but they make up for it scoring a lot of points in some games which really doesn't help you get to the playoffs you kind of get a 50 50 record so we went through it and it was actually the data is pretty interesting not overly complex obviously but uh, it's it's just really good to look at it's kind of eye-opening so i'm going to get into the quarterbacks here Something that kind of uh, threw me off guard. We all know Patrick Mahomes is incredible. But to really see the data here, 63% of his games were a boom at 25 points or more. That's pretty incredible. And then 38% were consistent with zero bust. So he is by far the most reliable player out of the quarterbacks. And there is a wide gap there for separation as far as performance is concerned. So it's pretty impressive. The next closest one was Deshaun Watson. He had 35% boom, 41% consistent and 24% bust. So, and a lot of the other quarterbacks kind of fell in that area around there. The next highest one for a boom was Matt Ryan at 44, 31% consistent and 25% bust. A lot of them fell in the twenties for the bust except for Baker Mayfield, which had a 43% bust rate. So that's pretty high. 
that's a little bit of a deterrent for me to look at him for a quarterback and 50% consistent and 7% boom for Baker Mayfield. So, uh, and another one here was Carson Wentz at 0% boom games with 73% consistent and 27% bust. And I was kind of surprised. I thought maybe I've had Carson Wentz up a little higher than that. And looking at it, yeah, he's got a lot of his points from a 73% being consistent. He also has a 27% bust rate, but I may get a, I may look to another quarterback that has a couple more boom games just to make sure I'm definitely winning a couple more games each year. So I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? It was definitely kind of interesting to see this laid out. Um, definitely really makes you kind of reconsider QB early strategy when you're drafting. I mean, Mahomes' numbers are, you know, zero bust so he's not giving you 15 points or less any week that he plays i mean that's incredible the next closest person was let's see uh cam newton well which this year is kind of irrelevant so we'll go to the next one uh deshaun watson and i mean he's so 24 percent of his games you know he's giving you 15 points or less i mean it really kind of makes you think your draft strategy a little bit going after patrick mahomes i mean it's a it's, I mean, you are, I mean, you are, everyone, a lot of people already know to take them crazy early anyway, but a lot of us like the QB late strategy, and I'm one of them. Um, but it kind of makes you second guess that. I mean, but if you do miss Mahomes, you know, you do have some good next options with Watson and Rodgers are kind of, you know, close to the same area. And you point out Carson Wentz, that was kind of surprising. No boom games at all for him. That's kind of, you know, it's, that's interesting. We would not have thought that. And then the other kind of interesting one on here that I put out was uh, Jared Goff. I mean, I know he's he looked good. Hang on. Yeah, last week. That was last week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, thanks. The other interesting one to point out here is Jared Goff. I mean, he's hasn't looked great this year. I mean, last week he looked pretty good, but his, his, you know, his stats from last year were almost dead even. 31% boom, 38% consistent, 31% bust, so... I mean, if you are going QB late, there are some good ones to find. You should be, you know, targeting some of these guys. But definitely, uh, when you put it on paper, Mahomes is is the guy to go after. That's for sure. All right. Great. All valid points. Okay. So going now, I'm looking at the running backs here. We've really carried over the same philosophy that we've done for the quarterbacks. We've left the point totals for each basically the boom consistent and bust uh areas the same and what's really eye-popping off the bat here is that some of the top tier running backs uh are actually fairly resilient to bust games and out of those barkley camara elliott and going back to johnson his 2016 season because he's been injured quite a bit here lately all of them had a bust rate of 13%, which is really impressive. I think that highlights that a lot of that offense goes through them and they're committed to the run. And then additionally here in those top-tier running backs is Christian McCaffrey, which has a much higher bust rate at 25%, a consistent rate at 25%, and a boom rate at 50%. Now going and looking at his stats here so far, this year, he's come in at 42.9 the first game, 7.3, and 27.8. And this is PPR 
uh, scoring leagues. So that's a good representation of kind of what the data was that we collected last year, a higher bust rate with a 7.3, but a much higher boom rate. So he really scored a lot of points. So if you're on him now, you most likely are sitting at two and one. So it's just uh, something to note with him. It seems that he can be shut down and they have abandoned the run, or at least so it, it appears. Uh, out of those, I would probably prefer the lower bust rate to ensure that I'm getting points week in and week out. Uh, that's just my personal preference. So here also there's James Conner, who had some interesting information last year. 46% bust rate, 15% consistent, and 38% boom. So he is very boom or bust with very limited consistency. So that to me as well would be a little bit concerning. I know at the, you may be looking at some speculation with him, with Le'Veon Belagon and maybe some of the other talent on the Steelers that he could possibly see a pretty good uptick in carries and and kind of banking on that. He's still, I would say, uh, a risk for me to draft at this point to think about it. And really that was a, probably about hit here for what some of the highlights with the running backs. I'll turn it over here uh, to let you guys talk a bit. What do you think? Uh, yeah, some of the stuff uh, that you mentioned is, is pretty important. I think, you know, how you said that those teams that those guys are on, you know, they're pretty dedicated to the run. But but in addition to that, it's uh, it's pretty important to note, too, that, you know, guys like the top end guys, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, uh, Elliot Johnson, those guys are really heavily involved in the pass game, too. You know, they're like they're your definite workhorse backs. Like they get touches like 20 plus touches a game, it seems like because they're always, you know, they're they're running it, but they're also catching plenty, uh, you know, with dump-offs or whatever. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, it's not like they all have these crappy old quarterbacks who are just dumping off to them every game. You know, some of them are just making great plays. You know, like Zeke and McCaffrey, you know, they've got they've got quarterbacks who don't mind throwing that ball, you know, especially to other weapons, but they're still getting the work. Um, as opposed to, you know, Barkley with Manning or even Alvin Kamara, who he had to get a lot more of his work in the the past game because of Ingram last year. But he obviously seems to be doing just fine being the, the lone workhorse now. Um, but some of these guys, it's really interesting. You know, their ADP is, is interesting to look at because, you know, David Johnson, like you were mentioning, he uh, his, his 2018 was – sort of up and down and you know it's hard to get some uh some consistent data from that but you brought up his 2016 stats where you know he um he was amazing in 2016 his his boom rate like like you said was 63 percent which was be, I mean partially um because you know well not partially I don't know why I'm saying that like it's entirely because in uh in 2016 he had over 100 yards from scrimmage in every single game he played except for the very last game of the season where he he hurt himself um but you know his ADP like it doesn't necessarily reflect that because you know injuries like you said and also he's undergone a coaching change every year and he's also undergone a quarterback change every year you know so it's hard to even with such a high boom rate it's hard to trust that consistency I think with some people and um and some of these other boom bust rates could be a little bit skewed, which I mean, most of the data is, I'm not saying that it's bad data or anything, but you know, it's just like certain guys like Nick Chubb or Dalvin cook last year, you know, Nick Chubb 
was technically a bust for a lot of the year until he had that big game against the Raiders. You know, he uh, then finally Hyde got shipped off and Chubb became the workhorse, and now he's got that role. So it's a little bit of a different thing going on. You know, him in that offense and Dalvin Cook, similar type of thing. You know, he wasn't really, you know, I think he had like a hamstring issue early in the year, but he started booming later in the year, partially because the offensive coordinator changed and they changed to an established the run type of offense. They're heavy run now. So now he's become the top running back in the game when his ADP didn't reflect that because last year was a lot higher bust rate because it wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't given as many carries or touches as maybe he should have until now. Yeah, no, those are all good points. And I forgot to highlight one thing here, but Saquon Barkley has a 38% boom rate, which I think kind of highlights maybe his big play ability to really take it the full length of the field mm-hmm. isn't quite there. And we've seen him get caught from behind a couple times. And so I think that's highlighting that there as well to where some of these other ones, Kamara, Elliott, McCaffrey, when they get out in the open field, it's, it's going to probably be a touchdown. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So going on to receivers here, obviously same format as the other groups. Uh, really this happens to, have almost the same thing with the quarterbacks there is a clear lead within this group from last year's data and that happens to be Devonte adams his his consistency marks are off the charts 75 percent in the consistency category and only a six percent bust rate so in only six percent of his games he got 15 points or less that's really impressive that's good for a wide receiver I think it always gets hard with them because there's multiple wide receivers you could pass to. So if you're getting double covered or the team's really trying to limit uh, that part of your game, you know, you can see a reduction in points that week. But it seems that Aaron Rodgers is content with throwing to him in uh, multiple scenarios. So that uh, that's kind of put Devontae Adams in a different light for me. Uh, not as high as a, a boom rate, 19% compared to some of the others. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones are like identical. Both have 30% or 31% boom, 38 consistent and 31% bust. So they're pretty much identical, identical here. So if you, if you're looking for DeAndre Hopkins in your draft and he gets taken and Julio Jones is on the board, uh, uh, you're almost getting the same player. So it's something to consider. And then Michael Thomas had a pretty big boom rate at 35% with a bust rate at 41% and then consistent at 24. So very boom or bust with him. And then Tyreek Hill as well, 44% bust, 38% boom with 19% consistent. So I think some of that with Tyreek Hill is if they have big playability, if he doesn't catch one of those long balls and run it in for a touchdown, I think he's suffering that week for points. Uh, quite a bit so that's why he has a higher bust rate but when he does have a good game I mean you catch a 70 yard pass for a touchdown it's a lot of points so I think he he's had a lot of points from that to kind of move his overall average up and that's that's really about all I have here that was kind of key notes what do you think Derek yeah some pretty interesting stuff here I mean you already highlighted Hopkins and Julio um I mean everybody usually goes you know Hopkins number one go grab him first um but honestly, when you look at the stats, 
they're the exactly they're giving you the same the same points pretty much week in week out. Um, so it's going to be you know if you miss on Hopkins, grabbing Julio a little bit later, it's not a big deal. I think the difference between the two of them, if I remember right, uh, Hopkins had eleven touchdowns, Julio had eight, but then Julio had more yards. He was closer to seventeen hundred, and Hopkins is around uh, fourteen hundred, I believe. So it ends up balancing itself out. Um, so if you miss on Hopkins, you know, grabbing a Julio a little bit later, I mean, obviously not much later, but if you're, you know, maybe if you're in a 10 team to 12 team league that goes running back heavy, you're sitting there, you know, five to eight and you, uh, you grab a running back instead, maybe Julio makes it around the turn, depending, you know, this year was a little different because we had the question marks with Zeke and Gordon and stuff like that. So wide receivers were coming off a little earlier than they normally would, but in a normal draft year that, you know, there's some, some definitely some interesting thought there and passing Hopkins and grabbing Julio. Uh, the other two I wanted to hit were um, Adam Thielen surprisingly was uh, the same across the board, 33, 33, and 33% all the way across. So uh, definitely something too. I'd probably had uh, his numbers, you know, might have been actually a little bit better than that and not dead even, but I think all the way up until his, uh, the bye week last year, as we all know, he was on fire last year. And after the bye, he kind of cooled down a little bit. So that might have uh, given him some of those bust games post bye week. But, uh, and then Keenan Allen, the other one was, you know, boom, it's 7%, no boom games, you know, very little. Probably had something to do with uh, Melvin Gordon being there. And, uh, you know, catching all those passes and stuff out of the backfield like he normally does. And Eckler catching passes out of the backfield last year. So, but uh, a pretty good consistency rate at 43%. So, definitely another good, you know, round two, late round one type target. So, again, interesting to see this information here. I wish I'd had it before I drafted this year. Yeah, I agree. This would have been a great tool to have. Uh, So, going on to the tight ends here, we have, obviously, same format. Travis Kelsey in this group is obviously the superior tight end. I think we all know that. He has a high ADP. There's no mystery to that. But looking at his numbers here, how much that difference is really kind of comes to light when you compare him to the other tight ends. I guess I've always thought the other tight ends were a little bit closer to him possibly. But now looking at this, he's had a 27% boom, 33% consistent, and 40% bust. Now, before we get into this here, you probably think, oh, a 40% bust for him, that's kind of high. Actually, the other tight ends have a much, much higher bust rate. So uh, he he is definitely leading the pack here. And it kind of makes me rethink about possibly drafting him uh, early. Well, not necessarily early, but taking a look at him in those earlier rounds and maybe coming back and getting some other players later. And the other two tight ends that came in close to him, were George Kittle and Zach Ertz. So George Kittle had 90% boom, 19% consistency, and 63% bust. And then Zach Ertz had 19% boom, 38% consistent, and 44% bust. So out of the two, I think Zach Ertz has a little bit more of a history with him and Carson Wentz. So I think I'd probably prefer him over Kittle, but Kittle's too. He's done very well. And then outside of that, a lot of the tight ends coming up here, Ingram, Howard, uh, McDonald, Najoku, Hooper, they had 0% boom games, which you think about the tight end position, it's not really known for having these 
you know, games that they score a ton of points, unless you, you know, kind of the Rob Gronkowski's are out of the league and some of the other pass catching tight ends that would have that level of production are kind of gone. It's really only two tight ends now that I would consider kind of in that elite category for, for uh, how much points they generate week in and week out. So what do you think, Ian? Um, the tight end position is definitely a, uh, a, more, a much more different animal than the other ones because, you know, it's, it's so much more shallow. And, uh, and like you, you pointed out, you know, those, the boom rate that we've set, you know, the, the threshold is maybe, maybe a little bit different for the tight ends, obviously. So like if we would, we were to adjust the goalposts, it probably would look a lot different in terms of percentages, you know, the boom bust and everything. But, but I mean, it's crazy to see that it, with those same uh, thresholds, the fact that Kelsey Kittle and Ertz, combined had 10 games of over 25 points for a tight end that's insane um and you know with Kittle especially um that one might have been a little bit to do with um you know there was there was a really limited receiving core in San Francisco last year and also he was featured alongside Nick Mullins most of the year because Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. So, you know, it's pretty well known that um, younger, more inexperienced quarterbacks, you know, they use their tight ends as safety blankets. So, you know, Kittle in PPR leagues especially, he was getting a a ton of looks. And But he also, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I saw a stat recently. Um, I'm pretty sure it said that Kittle last year had the most yards after the catch than any player ever. Like not just tight ends, but just more yards after the catch than anyone ever. Um, so he was he was going off, and so this year it's a little different. He's not seen as many looks. You know, they drafted some wide receivers. Um, you know, they've got uh, you know they got Debo, they've got uh, Marquise Goodwin, they've got Dante Pettis, who's finally starting to step in a little bit. Um, so it's a little different, but he, he's still producing for a tight end. Um, OJ Howard's an interesting one because he had some really good weeks last year, but um, what's different about that is those, his really great weeks, most of his really great weeks were with Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, which is, you know, apparent that he's not there anymore. So he's there with Jameis. And when Jameis was in, most of Jameis's tight end targets were going to Cameron Brait and Cameron Brait's still there too. So, you know, right now, OJ Howard is not seeing as many targets as we'd hope, you know, he's not, pulling off that, you know, potential elite tight end uh, production just because he's I – mean, it doesn't seem that he and Jameis have that same sort of rapport that he did with Fitzpatrick. And um, Vance McDonald's probably my favorite one on here, though, because he's the number eight ADP tight end, and he had zero boom games for this threshold, one consistent game, and 14 bust games, 93% bust. And it's hilarious to me because – Vance's, I mean, his ADP probably almost entirely relies on the fact that, well, A, that Antonio Brown's not there anymore, so I guess they're they're expecting more targets to open up. But just the fact that he had that one huge game against the Buccaneers last year, you know, he had that one play even. It wasn't even a whole game. It was just that one big play where he stiff-armed the hell out of Chris Connie, and now it's like, oh, my God, this guy, who is this guy? And everybody wants him. Everybody thinks he can be the guy. And I, I haven't looked at his numbers much this year, to be completely honest. But it's just funny to see, at least preseason, that 
he's number eight in ADP with almost nothing to show for it, nothing to really back that up. So I, I find that one really interesting, honestly. All right. Well, thanks, Mark, for being on the show tonight. Oh. We're actually going to uh, ask Mark to stick around for a little bit because Zach is uh, cramming for a test this week. So he's going to help us out in our pains and gains section tonight. And uh, look out and listen for Mark's voice. He might be on our show off and on throughout the year, and especially definitely before draft season next year. We'll have him uh, do an analysis of this year's stats to maybe help everybody out for their uh, 2020 draft. Um, but again, thanks for being on tonight, and uh, we will – move into our next segment here shortly. All right, let's recap last week's four for four before we go into this week's. Um, it's a really interesting week last week because I drafted a, a running back who did not play. That was Devin Singletary. I ended up having to swap him out uh, for Darwin Thompson, who had basically no impact on my team. But it was just enough to get me out of, you know, last place. I did not score last, so that was nice. Um, so I'll recap the teams real quick. Um, Derek had Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs, Marquise Brown, and Noah Fant. I had Baker Mayfield, Darwin Thompson, DK Metcalf, and Will Disley. Mike had Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders, Terry McLaurin, and Mark Andrews. And Zach had Kyler Murray, David Montgomery, Miko Hardman, and TJ Hawkinson. So, uh, Posted the poll on a bunch of different places. We ended up getting 54 total votes. Mike was the clear front runner in votes. Um, he had 34 of the 54 votes. I had one. Uh, so, you know, that goes to show what people thought of our teams. Um, and I, I, I could see why they would pick Mike's. You know, Lamar Jackson and Terry McLaurin and Mark Andrews alone. I mean, even without Miles Sanders, he probably would have won. But um, so it ended up Mike did win. Uh, he had 54, 55.4 points. Derek came in last with 32.3 points. So pretty big gap there. A lot, a lot bigger gap than I would expected, but, um, you guys predicted it right. Mike was the winner. And so, uh, now we're going to move on to this week's. All right, let's get into this week's four for four. I'm going to recap the rules for you guys, just for new listeners. And so everyone can fully appreciate what we're doing here every week. The four of us are going to draft our own teams uh, based on the main segment topic of the week. You know, like last week, we all drafted full rookie teams as best we could. And this week, we're uh, going on the main segment topic, which is boom and bust players versus kings of consistency. Um, however, we, don't, we didn't really set out to create a, a draft pool based on these types of players. But what we did do was we shipped a list over to Mark, our special guest for the night, um, of the top 10 ADP players at each of the four main positions in the 2019 preseason. And we just drafted from there. So we're not limited too harshly to any sort of, any sort of setting like that. So we also, like I said, at the, in the intro, Mike is out of town. He's on a cruise. So we drafted early so he could still draft with us. And we drafted Saturday. And so we also drafted a bench just in case there were injuries or anything going on. Like, for instance, I drafted Saquon Barkley, second overall, which not going to work out this week. So uh, I have a bench player, so that's awesome. But now I'm just going to jump into the teams uh, based on a draft position here. So Mike drafted first overall in the first position. He drafted Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones, and Travis Kelsey. I drafted in the second position Russell Wilson, Todd Gurley, Devontae Adams, and Zach Ertz. 
Zach drafted Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Hopkins, and Vance McDonald, although he might be playing Eric Ebron depending on Vance McDonald's injury. And then Derek has Patrick Mahomes, Ezekiel Elliott, Keenan Allen, and Evan Ingram. So, you know, again, we're, we're each picking from the top 10 ADP players, and there's only four of us. There's going to be parity. But uh, there's still some, some good picks. There's still some questionable picks that we'll discuss real quick before we go on. Uh, so the best pick, in my opinion, is uh, Mike's pick. He picked first overall. He picked Travis Kelsey. And I think that's a great pick. I think, you know, Mike is he's on to something. He did the same thing last week in that he drafted Mark Andrews in the first round. And I think Mike realizes that there's such a shallow draft pool with the tight ends that, you know, you have to grab a top one because the other positions are deep enough to worry about later. So I think Travis Kelsey was a great pick there. And Mike's, Mike's, Mike knows what he's doing. Uh, most questionable pick, I think was my own pick, was Devontae Adams in the fifth round. I don't think it was necessarily questionable because of the player. Um, although he has been underperforming this year, I think the main reason it's a questionable pick is because we had already drafted our main starting lineups and we're drafting our benches at this point. And I drafted, he was my first bench player, and immediately after him, Zach drafted Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I had Saquon Barkley, and that's not a bad pick, obviously, on its own, but with the injury, and then I let Dalvin Cook go, I just, it was not a smart move on my part. I could have easily let wide receiver fall to the next round for me and taken the number one running back in fantasy right now, but I screwed up. You know, good on Zach for taking him, even though he's not even starting him. Most interesting pick, I think, is Zach drafting Carson Wentz in the third round. I think that has something to do with the fact that our draft was Saturday and we were all kind of stuck in the week three mode thinking about week three matchups because Derek's or not Derek uh, Zach isn't even starting Carson Wentz this week he's starting Baker Mayfield which is technically his bench quarterback which I, I got nothing against I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan but it's just it seemed interesting that Carson Wentz was the third quarterback off the board of all quarterbacks and so you know we'll see how that pans out for him you know with Baker Mayfield and everything you see if he's you know, looking back if he would have done something else. Um, the toughest individual matchup for any one player, I think, is Derek's Evan Ingram. You know, the Giants tight end, he's great. He's the number one tight end in fantasy right now. Got nothing against the player. I think he's he's great. My only, my only reservation here is that the Redskins have been, I, I think, sneaky good against tight ends. They've only really played one elite tight end. You know, they've played Zach Ertz, Jason Witten, and Trey Burton thus far, and they've held Zach Ertz to, you know, not elite numbers that Zach Ertz is used to putting up. So even though they have a fairly soft secondary in Washington, I think that they might be able to hold him to, you know, not elite numbers as he might be used to. And I'm also wondering if Daniel Jones will keep his top-end play from last week going if if that was just a one-time thing if he'll come crashing back down to earth you know everyone went from mocking him as the sixth sixth overall pick to praising him as rest of the season QB1 it feels like so we'll see what happens you know I hope I hope Evan Ingram continues but we'll see what happens there and uh, now what we're going to do is we're going to take 
the draft board here. We're going to put it on our social media pages. We want you guys to go over and, over and vote on our polls on who you think will have the highest score for the week among the four teams. And we'll report the results next week with Zach's recap. And so our social media pages are Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit at SOFF Podcast. Like I said, we also have our own sleeper channel. So join us over there, and we hope to see you guys back here next week. Hi, everybody. We're going to move into segment three of our show. As uh, you guys know, it is our pains and gains segment. This is where we talk about our uh, injuries, trades, and anything else that might have happened this week. And, uh, and real, fan of, real football affecting our fantasy football. Um, so I'm going to go through some of the pains real quick. So as we heard, uh, T.Y. Hilton for the Colts, he took a quad injury. Um, at, at the beginning of the week, it wasn't looking good, but now I'm hearing that it might be trending more toward a game-time decision. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with that. It definitely doesn't seem like if he misses this week, he might – doesn't seem like he'll miss any more than this week. Um, you know, next guys up there for Indianapolis are Pascal, Campbell, Kane, and Rodgers, which uh, ended up doing pretty good because if I remember, I think uh, Hilton was out for at least the fourth quarter, maybe even the third quarter last week. I can't remember for sure. Um, so should, shouldn't shouldn't affect them too terribly much. I mean, it definitely will, but not as not a huge impact. Um, Edelman also went down last week um, with a chest injury. Uh, reports are coming back. It might just be kind of bruised ribs. He's planning to play this week. Um, but the big question is, you know, how much will he be held on a snap count? 100%. So just be careful if you're uh, planning to start Edelman this week. Um, Vance McDonald, I don't know. And maybe one of you guys has more information than I do, but I can't get a straight story out of Pittsburgh. Um, arms in a sling. They go and trade for Nick Vanette from Seattle, but then now they're saying uh, McDonald's going to play this week. So I, I don't know. I don't even know what to think with that situation. So that one's definitely a little confusing. Um, and then the big one of the week, as we all know, was uh, Barkley going down. They're saying he's got a high ankle sprain. Uh, initial timeline is somewhere between four to eight weeks. Um, that's definitely a big blow to the Giants, especially now that they've uh, got Daniel Jones coming in and starting. And I know that uh, on Wednesday they were looking for a uh, second opinion on Barkley, which you know could go either way. It could mean that second opinion being that, uh, oh, crap, he's going to head towards surgery and be out longer. Or maybe they're looking for a second opinion of you know how best to manage it during his uh, six to eight week or four to eight week absence. I think he only saw a team doctor or team specialist uh, on Monday. Um, so any, any thoughts, comments, what do you guys think about those impacts, uh, around the board? Um, two, the two that stand out the most to me are Edelman and Barkley. It's not like Hilton is irrelevant. I mean, obviously he's, he's a great, great player, you know, even at a lower ADP this year, because without luck, he still has been playing really well, but the big ones that stand out are Edelman and Barkley to me and Edelman specifically because, um, you know, I remember in our week two episode with Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, I remember saying how I foresaw James White's targets dropping. Like I, I thought he would go from PPR monster to a dud. And now all of a sudden, you know, Edelman, he might play, but if it's limited or I'm not really sure, but now it's like Josh Gordon is like the lone star receiver. You know, they had Brown, they had Edelman. Now they might not have either. 
And, you know, they got Dorsett too, which, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with him. But now James White could be back to a high-end, potentially RB1 status all of a sudden again when I thought he was out of the picture potentially. Um, But then the other one, Barkley, I mean, obviously Barkley is a very high-profile injury because he's, you know, it's it's Saquon Barkley. And, (laughs) you know, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, that's – and, you know, I think that's one of those things is everyone – drafted him coming into the year and they were I feel like I've saw a couple people saying it was concerning his workload um you know him and McCaffrey both having these gigantic workloads and can they sustain the sort of production they have and not get injured and obviously that's not the case I mean Barkley got hurt and um and now just from a fantasy perspective you know do you trade him I mean if he's out for that eight weeks or because I own him in two leagues, and I'm questioning if I should trade him. Uh, I put him on the block, and one, I've gotten one offer so far, and that was Aaron Rodgers straight up for him, which no thanks. But um, but then also, um, you know, do you how much how much of your do you of your waiver money do you waste on Wayne Gallman now? Um, do you want do you want to pick up Wayne Gallman? Do you want to burn your high priority waiver on Wayne Gallman? just to get, you know, 40% of Barkley's production, or do you just leave it be and just try and stick with what you have on the bench, you know? Not unless you're desperate. That's right. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think there could be a little bit of a wrinkle with this with Barkley if the Giants, and I just saw this headline today, go after uh, a J.E. Because they're saying now that he's pretty close to being back to – full health so then too there's always trades or signing him in play so if you use your your waiver wire on his backup it could be problematic if the executor trader do something else as a stopgap so it's just a lot of uncertainty so it's hard to make that call now and usually when i see second opinions and mris being done it, it seems to me that normally hints at some type of surgery or it's going to take longer than what they expect. And they want to go see someone else to see if they can say, Oh, it's six weeks instead of, you know, 10 now, or if it ends up moving out farther. So that's a little, little concerning to me what to do with him at this point. I don't know. I probably hold on to Barkley, see what shakes out of this whole thing. uh, And then probably make a decision then, but I get it. If you're trying to trade them, you probably want to move it now while they're still, maybe a little bit of cloud of uncertainty around it. Yeah, I think I think the only thing about Barkley that you really need to consider is is just your team. I know it's early in the season, but if you're 0 and 3, especially 0 and 3 with Barkley, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you just got to you might as well trade him. I feel like, you know, if you're contending, you might want to hold on to him because, you know, 8 weeks from now he comes back for the last 6 weeks that could be obviously really beneficial for a playoff run, especially if you have the depth. But from, uh, you know, if you're already not winning, you know, why not trade him? You know, if you don't feel like you're confident in your team, if you don't feel like you're even going to contend, you might as well try and shake up your team, try and, you know, revamp it for a different type of run without him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, coming from someone who actually acquired Barkley today. Um, 
I was definitely a little leery about going after him until I heard what the second opinion was. But then at the same time, the second opinion comes back, oh, he's coming back in four weeks. Then, yeah, you got no chance at buying low on Barkley. So I went ahead and took a swing for it. And I actually got him for, I got Barkley and Boyd for Mac and Hyde today, which for me was pretty good. I can I should be able to still survive. I still have DJ Mixon and Jacobs as my other three running backs. Wow. Um so hopefully can still make it. Now I've got eight different wide receiver twos with WR1 upside, every, almost every single one of them. So now my headache is going to be who to play with my wide receiver slot every week, but you know, I'll figure that one out. But uh yeah, I would I definitely saw the opportunity to if I can survive and scrounge into the playoffs, moving Mac, then when Barkley comes back, the championship will hopefully be mine and not yours, Mark. I'm sorry. The only <laughs> we're in together. So I don't think you have to worry, Derek. It's not going to be mine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if anybody's got anything else on the pains, we'll uh, move into the next section of gains, which is almost, well, it's kind of, I had penciled in on my notes for tonight, just so you guys are aware, is I kind of called it the change of the guard, but with the most recent breaking Melvin Gordon news, it doesn't quite apply anymore. Um, but let's dig into it. So the, the big two that we want to talk about um, were Kyle Allen and Daniel Jones. So Kyle Allen get the start for the Panthers. Uh, my thought is he looked he looked really good. And if you guys remember right from last week, I said I had to actually go Google Kyle Allen because I had never heard this kid in my life. I think he, I said he played one game the last game of the week last year against the Saints. So the Saints probably weren't firing all cylinders. But I think he did. If I remember right, I don't have my notes even from last week, but he did pretty good. 200 some yards, two touchdowns, I think. Um, if I remember right, I could be wrong, but go back and listen to episode three to get the full stats. Um, and again, he uh, he got the, the Panthers' first win this week, thirty to twenty over Arizona. I mean, nineteen to twenty six for two hundred sixty one yards and four touchdowns. He did fumble it once, but uh, I mean, that was a very impressive showing for someone who came out of nowhere. And uh, same could be said for Daniel Jones. I mean, obviously, he didn't come out of nowhere, but um, it definitely. He showed everybody last weekend why the Giants took him as high as they did. I mean, he looked really good, um, even without Barkley in the lineup. Uh, they got, you know, the Giants got their first win, 32-31 over Tampa Bay. Um, he went 26 of 40 for 353 yards and two touchdowns, and he had two rushing touchdowns as well. Did have two fumbles, but uh, I mean, with with four total touchdowns, those fumbles aren't going to negate too many points. And I do think one of those fumbles was not his fault. I think it was a strip uh, on him, but I'm not 100% positive what the second one was. But then I also stumbled across an interesting uh, stat to his uh, 34.2 PPR fantasy points were the second highest in history from a QB getting his first ever regular season start. So maybe. Definitely a change in the garden in in New York. Daniel Jones is the guy there now. Let's see if he keeps it up. And I don't know. I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens in Carolina with uh with Kyle Allen there. Um, I don't know if Newton if Cam Newton sits out a good chunk of this season. Does you know do they and Kyle Allen gets on a roll? Do they, do they let him keep rolling? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, and the other big news. Uh, don't have a ton of information on it right now, but uh, we're hearing that uh. 
Melvin Gordon is indeed going to report earlier than we all thought he was. Um, he's planning to, to come in on a Thursday and report to the team facility. Yeah, you know, he won't be eligible to play this week, but um, we'll see how that shakes out. So that's uh, good news for the folks who are holding Melvin Gordon. Maybe bad news for the folks who were banking on Eckler, giving them a good head start against everybody else in their league. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. So I guess that could be a pain or a gain, depending on who you own. <laughs> um, thoughts, guys, on any of that this week? Um, from For Kyle Allen and Daniel Jones, I think it's, in hindsight, it's just the way 2019 um, rookie draft shook out, especially super flex leagues. It's, it's crazy just looking back now how those shook out, you know, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins going basically one and two. And, you know, you didn't see names like Gardner Minshew. And you didn't see, you know, you saw Daniel Jones maybe going in like the late second or third round because, oh, he sucks. Or, you know, Drew Locke going earlier because he'll replace Flacco sooner or later. But it's like, and I also, Will Greer is, is one of the ones that's relevant right now is I drafted him in the third round of a, in a couple of super flex leagues because – I thought, honestly, he was the third best um, QB of this draft class over, you know, just behind Murray and Haskins. And I, I got I to gotta be honest, I did not expect to see, you know, Murray, Minshew, and Daniel Jones as the rookie starters this season. You know, I, and I, with Daniel Jones, I just think that I, it's an interesting shakeup for the offense, uh, the Giants offense, you know, especially with Barkley, I'm curious to see how that, how his workload changes because that offense used to run through him with Eli dumping off to him a bunch. Um, Daniel Jones doesn't seem like he's going to be doing stuff like that. He's going to have Golden Tate back and, you know, some decent other weapons. And I'm curious if Barkley loses a bunch of his workload to this new quarterback who's willing to throw it downfield decently well and also has some decent athleticism to run the ball as well and so Daniel Jones if he keeps this sort of this sort of play up when Barkley comes back I don't know how how much how greatly that'll affect him yeah and uh the only comment I have here for with Daniel Jones coming into this I mean it was pretty impressive what he's done on basically his first game but I don't know what that offense is going to look like when Barkley comes back, because I think it'll be harder too to argue kind of the flip side of the coin here for opponents to stack the box now against them with a little bit more potent passing game. But then how many carries does Barkley get when he does indeed return? So it's a little bit interesting. And I actually went ahead and picked up Daniel Jones just because he had such a great showing. And I didn't know that he was as good with his legs as he was I mean he ran two touchdowns in so uh, I'm curious to see if, if this continues because I know Patrick Mahomes really came on the scene pretty strong and has been a really good quarterback uh, ever since so I took a flyer on him just to maybe just to see what happens yeah he took him from me he was one of my waiver priorities this week thanks <laughs> Did did y'all hear anything with stuff about Kyle Allen and like basically them thinking contemplating about not bringing Cam back in and continuing to play him? 
I haven't heard anything concrete. I'm hearing some rumors fly around. I've seen it on some of the beat reporters and stuff, but uh, I don't, I, th- I don't, I don't want to read into the hype too much until we see what he does this weekend and we get a bit more of a definitive timeline and issue with Cam. I mean, I don't even what 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 was the issue with Cam? I don't even remember off the top of my head. They actually come out and say exactly what it was. Something was his. Ankle, maybe he had a. He's had a lot of shoulder issues and changed his throwing motion, and now he's not. He doesn't run as much, and he's had. You know, he's getting. He has a lot of injuries stacking up, and so he has. He hasn't been known as the most accurate quarterback, and so now you, it it complicates the situation having this guy come in and and do what he does. Anyway, I heard there was a couple mumblings of Cam possibly being held out a little longer to see what this guy can do. Hmm. I've not heard that. I mean, that's, I mean, based on how he plays, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be terribly surprised, I guess, but um, it's just that, you know, Cam's upside, at least earlier in his career, which is so high, you could not play him even regardless of his accuracy. But now I don't, I don't know what to, what to make of it. Yes, I, I went and pulled it up. So Cam's dealing with the list Frank injury. So those are one of those ones that are really, you know, unknown of how long it actually might might put him out for. So yeah, I could uh, I could definitely see some truth in the uh, rumblings of Kyle Allen taking over, at least for the year. Even if Cam comes back toward the back end of the season and they're not contending, or maybe they are contending with how Allen looked. I mean, they've got two pretty decent receivers and more. And, Samuel and obviously CMC's there and their defense is, uh, you know, average to above, slightly above average range. I mean, they could still pull something out, you know, a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, Good news, though, for everyone, if you've been listening to us every week, is our pains are decreasing in the (laughs) amount every week. Maybe there'll be a week where we don't even have to talk of this segment. That would that be great, guys? I think that would be really yeah. nice. <laughs> All right, guys, moving into segment four, we're going to talk about how we did in week three, which it's obviously going to be a little bit shorter because Zach and Mike are not joining us right now. Um, Mike is on a cruise, which I'm jealous of. Zach is studying for a test. I am not jealous of that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, just how we did in our uh, – on our leagues this week, I'm in, I, I want to say, 11 sleeper leagues, right? Um, I lost in every single one. Every sleeper <laughs> league, just rolling down the entire, you know, the win percentage thing. I lost in every league. I, you know, when the, the, weekly, the weekly review comes out, I was, the, I was the lowest scoring team in like seven leagues. Ouch, that's a bad week. It was – I was so annoyed, especially because, you know, I was in the – I got kicked out of the guillotine league this week. Um, and it's, there's one thing I did kind of want to speak of, which I think this could could act, actually bring up a little bit of discussion since it was since this will be a little bit shorter. Um, so there's a league I was in. Uh, it's called Football Keepers League. And uh, I found it on Reddit. And I thought it was an interesting sounding league, right? Where um, is sixteen teams, and we we draft a regular team, uh, and it's a two keeper league. But a fun thing about it is that every week, um, if you win your matchup, 
you get to steal the lowest scoring starter from your opponent, which I thought was <laughs> a really, really cool idea. You know, just seems like a little bit different than w- what I'm used to. And, you know, just like, you know, maybe your guy has a bad week or ha- gets injured and then you get to steal it or, you know, vice versa. It could happen to you. And I was um, I had lost my first three games in that league. So I had lost three decent players. I lost like Curtis Samuel and Joe Mixon and kind of sucked. But oh, ouch. Right. But the thing is, though, um, this came up in the chat is when the commission started swapping over the players is one guy brought up that Gronkowski and Lamar Miller were among the players that got swapped, right? And which just feels messed up just, right, because, you know, it's supposed to be starters. And apparently what what was happening in the league was that um, when guys realized that it's like, you know, going into like Monday night, for example, they knew that the win was so far out of reach that they didn't want to lose a potentially valuable oh. player. They swapped in a retired or injured player. And I did not like that. That I felt like, I mean, technically there's no rule against it, but I feel like there definitely should be, right? Um, because that, I mean, that's so that's just a cheap thing to do. Um, and then there's sort of a debate came about, right, between me and this one dude who were on that side and then two other dudes who were, we're like, well, hey, you know, whatever. There's no rule against it. I should be able to do whatever I want. But it honestly ended up – I ended up leaving the league over it, um, which sounds like an overreaction, especially in the middle of the season. But I how, – how do you feel about that? Like, I mean, so, I mean, my options were, hey, let's get this changed or should I just roll with it and try and do that same thing that other people are doing because there's no rule – or it's like, I, I don't respect what's going down in this league. I don't want to be a part of it. Do you think it was right that I left the league? I mean, I told them. It's not like I just up and left. I even helped them find the replacement. But, I mean, do you think – what what would you have done in that situation? I would have probably done the exact same thing. And good for you for helping them find a replacement because I don't even know if I'd have gone that far. I mean, I got – no interest in playing with people who are going to have poor sportsmanship like that. I mean, that's just, I mean, why? I mean, I, I get it. They're, they're finding the loophole, but in some of these, um, you know, fun formatted leagues, which we are going to do a uh, segment on that one of these upcoming weeks. I mean, there's one league that we're in together, which I'm actually going to talk about in a bit. I mean, we're kind of almost making the rules up as we go along. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you, you got to have an understanding of just like said, basic sportsmanship. I mean, that's just wrong to do that. I mean, especially someone like Gronk or Lamar Miller. Had you swapped them out for some low-lying bench person who was still going to give you at least a point, then okay, all right, sure, maybe. But, you know, for someone of that nature, that's just they knew – they knew what they were doing. They knew that they were getting around it. So I don't blame you one bit. I would left too. Yeah. It's just, um, it was a crazy, like, it wasn't something that really crossed my mind because even though it wasn't explicitly stated, it just felt like a spirit of the rule type of thing. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the whole point of the league is that you do lose a potentially valuable player because you lost that week. That's the point. You know, the point is not that, oh, well, I found a loophole. I'm just going to – I know I'm going to lose. Let me swap in. Because at that point, what's to stop in the entire league from making their flex spot a retired player just so they don't lose anybody, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so I just – it it 
it bugged me. And like this whole discussion, I, it wasn't even the argument that I was not like it got so heated that I left. It's just that I had to explain to them. I was like, if we're not going to change a rule, if we're not even going to, because I wanted to vote to change it, you know, not just, Hey, change it for my sake, change it. I, I wanted to vote to change it. And every, yeah, yeah. and they didn't want any part of it. And I was like, you know what? I don't want any part of a league like this because this is what I expected it to be. And it's the rules are different than what I expected. So I just don't want to be a part of it. And I mean, I got, you know, I got made fun of a little bit before I got removed, but I just, I, you know, I just don't want to be a part of something like that, you know? No, I'm right there with you. You did the right thing. I've done the same thing. Cool. Well, um, yeah. So just moving on from that, got that. I lost all my sleeper leagues. And then my other, I've been, that's like three other leagues, one league I'm three and oh in, thank God. Um, but you know, for the most part, just rough week for me, you know? Yeah, mine wasn't a too bad. My rough week so far was week two, where I think if I remember right in week one, I told everybody I, I won all of my leagues except two. And uh, I think I have, you know, counted, and I think I am in like 17 leagues, not counting our one that we drafted week for our four for four. Right. Um, so then week two, I think I only won two. This week, it was almost back to winning all of them. And unfortunately, I really thought I was going to be one of those 3-0 teams in the SFL League. But I did take my first loss that week, thanks to Gurley, Galladay's, and Jacob's poor performances last week. Mm. Um, so, And then now, unfortunately, I'm going up against our one of our 3-0 guys in League H. Uh, so... Not sure if I'm going to survive this week. I might be dropping a two and two, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, so I'm only actually <laughs> sad to say, out of 17 leagues, I'm only three and zero in one of them. I'm two and one a lot. Three and zero in only one. It's uh, actually uh, I think we might be in this one together too. It's uh, our division league where we all drafted mm-hmm. a, a division, and uh, I took the AFC West in that one. It is panning out really nicely, especially. Uh, as I'm sitting here talking, uh, Melvin Gordon's coming back. So <laughs> I can make that option soon. I just thought about that. Yeah. I'm actually really happy. Um, and then in my home league, I was able to win that one. So it went to two and one. Um, and as you guys heard me earlier, that was actually the league that uh, I went and acquired Barkley. Um, so hopefully I can survive through that league and just, I'll take the fourth spot of the playoffs. All, I get, all that matters is getting in, you know? So yeah. once you get in, it's a whole different ball game. Um, so not, not too bad of a week overall. Um, wish I could have pulled that SFL win out, but just wasn't in the cards this week. Yeah. So I'm happy. Not too bad. Yeah. Right on. Um, and now, you know, you're talking, you said something about, you know, waiver pickups and I just, it got me thinking, you know, that, that one league run, that infected league, I know we're going to talk about it more in a, in a later episode. Um, but you know, we only have one bench spot in there and I've got Devin Singletary. But uh, my running backs aren't great, and <laughs> but since there's only one bench spot, I know for a fact Melvin Gordon is not owned, and I don't. Man, you might be right. You know, and that's making me think. Like I, I you know I just gave you the idea too, and I'm like, should I uh, go and try and pick that guy up? I mean, hey, I mean, if you do too, I mean, I don't know what the waiver priority is looking like in that league, but I mean, that might be I'm, something to hop in on. I think I've got Tyreek Hill sitting in my uh, my one bench spot, oh, so yeah. uh, I'm checking now. 
Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that, me. I'm not going to get Melvin Gordon. But I will say, I, so I was going to bring this up, so I'm glad you mentioned I forgot. You might be my target this week, so be careful. <laughs> uh, so so we'll, we'll, for our listeners, we'll talk about this in league a little bit more later on when we do a segment on uh, fun formats and stuff. But uh, the, the, it's, it's, the basic idea is one team started out infected and you try to infect everybody else in the league. And if you, you lose to an infected person, then you lose a person off of your roster that goes to the infected person. Um, if you get the lowest score of the week, but you know, you didn't play the infected person, you get a 10 point uh, deficit to start your next week. And that is going to be Ian's favorite. <laughs> starting with a 10 point uh, negative 10 to start the week. But, uh, I don't know. I'm debating between you and one other person. It's, I'm, I'm to the point now where I am infected, if you guys didn't pick up on that. And uh, my goal now is to make the absolute best roster that I can. Um, so now I'm not, necessarily, I'm not necessarily targeting the weak teams anymore. I'm targeting the ones who can make my team better. So uh, we'll see. I'm not quite sure yet. I hadn't decided. Yeah, that's that one league. That's, I think, one of the only leagues – this whole year where I went wide receiver heavy early on, which I don't usually do that. I'm usually like, Oh my God, got to get a running back early. Um, and I got, I went Adams OBJ and Antonio Brown in the first three rounds, I think. And obviously Antonio Brown doesn't mean anything right now. And especially in like a one bench spot league that he's a non-issue. But then I also have, you know, the goat DK Metcalf as my flex. <laughs> and he, I mean, he didn't have a great week either. I just – hopefully I, – I hope that you do pick me and that my team – because my team, they have the potential to be the boom guys. I, you know, I'm going to look at the spreadsheet and see what the what it says about these guys <laughs> because I think a lot of these guys have big boom potential, and I hope you do pick me, and I hope that I show you why you shouldn't have. <laughs> we'll see. I'm leaning towards the other guy, but that almost sounded like a challenge, so I might have to change it. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll know by tomorrow when we set when we have to choose. Oh, for the other piece of this, for you listeners wondering what the heck we're talking about, <laughs> is the infected person that gets to choose their opponent the upcoming week. So again, more on that for league format and many others in one of the upcoming weeks when we. Uh, do a show on fun formats. Yeah, I can't wait for that one because I'm in some weird leagues. All right, listen, we are going to move into our weekly SFL update. And again, we've got Devil on the show tonight. And he's going to give us a quick review of where we are with the SFL. And for those of you who are listening for the first time this week, the SFL is the big sleeper league, sleeper fantasy league on the sleeper app um and you can if you're on the sleeper app you can join in search for the sfl legion channel and get on the wait list and be part of this giant league next year we've got over 200 people playing in it um take it away when you're ready for our weekly update perfect this is our uh our week that just passed uh and one more thing to add if you want to get on and you want to get invited to the sfl just you can send me a message at at devel d-e-e-v as in victor e-l and i'll uh, make sure you get to the right place so the going over the standings uh after three weeks there's 37 undefeated teams that's pretty good yeah not bad there's uh one perfect team 
Still with wow. a perfect, still, still a with, perfect team. yeah, even with all the injuries, that's amazing. Even with all the, he's at two and one, unfortunately, he had a tough first week. But uh, Gotham Chiefs from uh, League I, I do believe, uh, right down down. Awesome, but, that is- God, but Gotham Chiefs, you're doing a good job. Keep it up, and uh, if this keeps up, you'll be in League A next year. That is awesome. Yeah, keep up the good work. I don't know how you're doing it, but keep it up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 42 teams still defeated, still 0-3. Crazy. So it's not too bad. I think Crazy. everyone – there's a... They must have been the uh, Andrew Luck. No, Luck went out before we – No, Luck went out. Is, I'm sure it was uh, one of the big uh, – well, any of them, all the big injuries. Yeah, must have been. Infects a lot of people this year. So the going over the waivers and the drafts, I'm going to go a little bit backwards first here. Uh, my waiver ads, and I didn't go over the new waiver ads, but uh, from week three, the highest was OJ Howard at 31 bucks. Really? That's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of high on Howard coming into the season, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they're wanting to get it to their tight ends down there. And uh, the big trend, uh, there's a lot of uh, dropped quarterbacks and other quarterbacks were added last year, last week anyway. Cam Newton was dropped and picked up. Drew Brees was dropped and picked up. And Josh Allen was uh, made a, a showing on the waiver wire last week. Josh Allen, that might have been me. No, definitely. Never mind. I had to pick him up in a lot of different leagues. But it wasn't that one? No, it wasn't me, this, wasn't me in this one. <laughs> so I got I got to do trades because uh, one really popped out. I mean, there was a few... Decent trades. Uh, nothing really stood out. Uh, Philip Dorsett went out, went for Mark Andrews. Uh, what was the other one? Josh Gordon went for Chris Carson. But the oh. league, league M, Iowa, in the NFL traded with Grant to Williams. They traded Le- Le'Veon Bell for CMC Christian Michaels. <laughs> I was like, wow! Went straight up. Straight up, yeah, just one for one. I had to huh. have a double take on that one. I was like, that was maybe, pretty impressive. Maybe the this was before the week three games, right? This would have been before the week three games, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it was a panic on the CMC owner and a hope that Bell sees more touches than he's ever seen in his life with Darnold being out and they're starting their third string quarterback. Maybe we can assume that that was the reasoning behind this one. That's what I'm assuming. Because if is, not, I got no idea. <laughs> Bell has been on the field for pretty much 100% of all the snaps. So they, that's pretty much all they use is him. But giving up CMC for that is a, it's a bit of a stretch. Wow. Good job for whoever the Bell owner was. Yeah, definitely. Good job on that. Now, for the SFL scores, the highest score came out of League D. Again, our old league. Our old league, yeah. Jerk scored 199.24 points. Woo! 99 more points than I did last week. (laughs) (laughs) The the lowest was out of League M. K Page 1 scored 51.68 points. Ouch. Yeah, that was uh, that was a little low. I think uh, most Bar- of the Barkley owner, Barkley owner, maybe is the only thing I can think of. Uh, yeah, I think he was because I think all the other injuries during the week 
they still like Edelman still put up numbers, still gave some points. I think Barkley would have been the only one that might have affected anyone this past week as far as a mid-game injury goes. Yeah, he also had, I think, a bunch of other underperformers in there. Yeah, Ooh, bad luck. Keep at yeah, it. Yeah, the, the average uh, average lowest score was in the high 80s to low 90s, so it wasn't too bad for everyone else. That is pretty good. Yeah. That's not a bad week for everybody. The uh, biggest win. There was two of them over 100%. There was wow. Lee Gem. Spetham scored 139.6 over K page one at 51.68. That was 169.1% difference. That's a big spread. That is a big name. Next closest was 103.3% difference, and it was at a leak P. Osmosis scored 162.38, and Sammy Can 22 scored 79.86. Ouch. Yeah, the, uh, the narrowest victory. There was, uh, I think, five of them below 1%. So a lot of closes. But uh, this one takes the lead out of everyone. League I, Wolfpack scored 127.36. Patka scored 127.3. Wow. Yeah. Talk praying for stat correction. Oh my god. Uh, that's a difference of 0.0005%. Wow. Even their uh That's incredible. Their weekly updates showed it at 0% difference. As like I don't understand. That's crazy. Crazy close. Man. That's insane. Yeah. I've ever seen one that close before. No, I think that uh, apart from ties <laughs> Which yeah, which, well, do, yeah, which do happen, you know, which is, tie, is really hard uh... to do, but uh, this this yeah, you're going to bet upset. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like I couldn't get one more throw, like just one more reception, one more Man, one more that's... yard would have done it. I know one yard <laughs> short of uh, yeah winning that game essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So just a quick shout out to the BFL. The highest uh, score out of the BFL was League W. Chabasu scored two hundred six point five four. That's impressive. That's a really good lineup. That's the uh, the best out of uh, out of all the leagues, and the lowest score was League X. KD Neal scored sixty nine point eight six. Still not the lowest out of everybody, though. <laughs> still, still not the lowest, exactly. So all in all, the uh, the SFL looked good this uh, this week. Nice. That's... It'll be interesting to see the uh, waiver wires for uh, next week. I did a quick peek, and uh, a lot of money was spent this coming week. It usually turns that way between weeks three and five. Everybody who's waiting to see if you know those young guns are actually proving consistency they're going to start spending the money on them and grabbing them for those of you, for those folks who didn't grab them ahead of time so definitely expect it week three through five will probably be some good waiver ads and some big money spent oh uh, yeah the uh, quick estimate uh well over a thousand dollars spent on uh, waivers this week Woo! can't wait to hear about them next week awesome yes all right. Well, thanks for being on the show again so, tonight. We really, uh, really appreciate it as always. And uh, for those of you in our bottom half of our SFL and BFL, keep trying. Set your lineups. Don't give up because 
as you know, anything can change in fantasy week to week. Keep plugging along. Yeah, what one win could change it all. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again, Devo. We appreciate it. Have a good night. No worries. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Speaking of Fantasy Football. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit at SOFF Podcast. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Good luck this coming week, and we'll see you next Wednesday.